Hello, ladies and germs, and welcome to yet another exciting podisode of Never Say Dead. Hey, hey. This time, I, Matthew Derrigish, and my cohort... That's you. Damien Kilby. Oh, there we go. Or Sleepy Reader. Right. First time I've ever said my last name on air. Uh-oh. Oh my gosh. Um... <laughs> We are going to be diving into a monumental comics achievement. We are going to be discussing none other than Action Comics 1000. Wow, you sound very excited about it, Matt. <laughs> well, it's an exciting moment at the very least, right? Yeah. I wasn't sure whether you were going to buy it or not. Because you haven't been picking up Superman too recently. No, I put down... You dropped things around Mr. Oz time, I think? Yeah, when things were starting to play around what was going to be happening with the Doomsday Clock thing and the Watchmen tie-in and all that, I became disinterested, and I felt the book was going down. That and the Mr. Oz thing turned out to just be Mr. Mixplixplick. Right. And that was a bummer for me. (laughs) Yeah, me too. But I kept kept up with... uh... Well, I kept up. I, I, I've, I've dropped and picked up both Superman and Action on and off since then. Leading into Action, I had been reading the last few issues of Action, but I had been skipping Superman. But now I actually want to go back because this, the last few issues of Superman, winding up the Tomasi Gleason run, actually sounded interesting to me from what people were saying. <clears throat> I had thought that they were off the book already. Right. I, uh, Knowing that they were still on it kind of makes me curious, and if I hear a couple more good things, I might do some backtracking and check that out. But for the most part, Superman is a character I'm happy to take or leave. When I hear things are hot, I'm willing to check it out, and when things start cooling down, I am very comfortable walking away. Well, you know, Superman's just been going on forever, and there's so much, you know... So much there to read in the past, and you don't have to be keeping up with him at all times. No, I also, um, I believe it's a couple years ago now, I went through a large portion of the early 2000s Superman, when there was a bevy of creators just rotating through, it seemed. And I really enjoyed a lot of that, and I enjoyed around that time as well the early Superman Batman, but I feel like there was this era of Superman that I really dug uh, that kind of rotated around now what would be considered the present Luther era of Superman. Uh-huh. And I think I basically missed that era, so maybe I should go back and read some of it. I It doesn't... It's harder to read now because the parallels between Lex being president and uh, Trump being president are right. hard to avoid. <laughs> And, well, that might make it more interesting or more painful. I don't know. Well, it's funny because they went through great pains of stuff that they didn't believe could be believable in this evil fictional character becoming the president to put on a facade for the public. Things that um, didn't turn out to be true in real life, which is frightening on many levels. We don't need to go down <laughs> too far in that hole. but Well, and, and one can argue whether... Uh... Donald Trump is a super, uh, super villain or not. There you go. <laughs> uh, 
Well, so Superman 1000 is one of those anthology issues. It's square bound. Um, it has a million different variant covers. And uh, I think it has what about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten stories in it. So well, ten roughly. Two. There's or there's so, a few pinups that you're I think you're and pinups yes so roughly about eighty pages I think so most of the stories are about six pages maybe and then there's pinups yeah it, it's nice to have a little anthology here but I also feel like for the one th- how do you feel about the anthology aspect before I jump in I'd say overall I was very I was you know I was pretty pleased there were a few duds and a few ones that I really liked and thought took a unique approach. Um, overall, it didn't take many huge risks or anything like that because it was kind of a a tribute thing. You know, I, I both enjoyed it and I could always pick on it. Like I can think of so many other people I would have liked to have been in in here as this celebration of a thousand issues. And um, yeah. I mean, I'd agree with that. For me, I feel the uh, anthology idea was a bit of a dud because there's a, a few stories that I could have just left on the cutting room floor and the stories that intrigued me. I want a story and uh-huh. I didn't get it. And so uh, I I was a little bummed out, but it is a fun but offering. At, it's you know, kind of an artifact, right? It's a little party favor for the thousandth birthday. It's not really a real issue of action comics or a real ish, a real part of the Superman um, continuity that's currently going on. That's right. We're fluffing there are ourselves. references to the current continuity, and there's a story at the end that we'll talk about later um, that may be launching into some new continuity. Yes. Yes. Well, shall we take a look at the first story in it? That's probably a good way to break this down. Um, it's called "From the City That Has Everything," and it was written and drawn by Dan Jurgens, who is currently the writer was currently the writer of Action Comics. And also has a strong reputation from the, when is it, the 80s and 90s. He did a lot of Superman then. So he's kind of the relatively old school Superman guy. Right. He's also the one I picked up the cover from. That was the one I chose. Oh, oh, I haven't seen that cover. Yeah. Uh, it's not that is great. Is that supposed to be the 90s cover or the 2000s cover? I can't. The 90s no, it's cover. To be the 90s cover. Yeah, I'm not sure when Jurgen started, if he started started in the 80s or in the 90s. Yeah, but he definitely made his mark in the 90s. Right. So the, the story is basically, there. it's Superman Day in Metropolis, and <laughs> Superman is busy at the beginning of the story fighting off some aliens, and then he comes down as Clark to the celebration with his family, Lois, and his son, John, who's currently Superboy. Um and in, in the current continuity, I mean, some people are not reading Superman won't know that he is yet again married to Lois. And he's all nervous. He want, he thinks there's going to be another emergency he has to take care of. And eventually, it, uh, rather than to stay at this celebration of himself, and eventually it turns out that the other superheroes of the DC Universe have been taking care of all the emergencies so he can attend the special Superman day. And disturbingly to me, the Martian Manhunter has been telepathically manipulating him so he won't notice all the emergencies he needs to attend. And then there's a, a <laughs> the big money shot of him appearing with all the heroes. You know, it's, it's well, kind of a semi-double-page spread. 
I have a note on that too. I don't know if he saw in the back. Like there's a there's all your usual DC suspects. But in the back there's Deathstroke and Harley Quinn. Oh, I didn't see that. That is bizarre. And Harley's wearing this like Superman She's S on her. Yeah, yeah, Superman top. I'm mm. I could see Harley Quinn sneaking into the party. Deathstroke is even more extreme to me as someone who would not show up. Yeah just bizarre so it's just it's a cheesy story um and it's kind of supposed to set the tone of this is a celebration of superman and i i enjoyed the old school 90s 80s art but i did the story just kind of annoyed me so i agree with you i think this is one that could have been left on the cutting room floor what hit me was um for those of our YouTube followers, uh, Running With Comics has a certain opinion of Superman that's fairly negative. And just has that... It's a fairly common idea, though. The fact that he's just the Boy Scout and everything's alright. Right. There's no real drama or tension or anything he's interesting. He's bland, he has too much power, and yeah, he's just the Boy Scout. He has no edge to him. Yeah, yeah. And what's the, what's the problem in the story? Oh, that he cares too much. You know, like... Ugh ah cut it it's right so dan jurgens and this kind of 80s 90s take on superman is very much the too good boy scout and uh well i don't know if it's getting too far in the weeds but my i feel the old school superman the really old school superman where lois lane loves superman but not clark kent Mm -hmm. that gave him an edge that gave gave Superman a conflict and they somewhere in the, I don't know when, I think the eighties, they, they made him and Lois, Lois knows all about him and that everything goes along fine. And Lois is the perfect wife slash girlfriend or girlfriend slash wife. And that took to me, took away the one edge Superman might've had. But anyway, I, I think there's other aspects to Superman. And I think we see some of that in our next story. Which is... Which one is it? The next story was, I believe, one of my favorites. It was the one by... They don't have the title on the first page. That always annoys me. But it's called The Never-Ending Battle. And it's by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, who Mm -hmm. just ended their Superman run. Um, And it's a series of single-page panels. Right. You know, splash pages. Almost They look almost like covers. With a lot of um, a monologue by Superman describing the story of how Vandal Savage threw him back into time, trying to tap, trap him into a time loop. And so he ends up sort of briefly in all these different time periods that the character Superman has been in. But in current continuity, he couldn't have actually been to all these places and times, you know, like World War II and stuff. Right. Um, and each each picture is you know an amazing splash page or an amazing pinup or cover of superman in action and there's kind of a fun narrative going along with it um and somehow he fights his way back through time and through these different incarnations uh and defeats um vandal savage at the end but some of the covers are are tributes to uh famous images and covers like from frank miller right and each one encapsulates like a big moment from you know, in superman's yeah. history and 
I, I to see, me, this should have led off the issue. This would have given a more modern, a modern yet retro, a modern take on looking back at Superman's history. Well, and beyond that, I wish this one got at least the pages. Lo- like I think, like you said, each one of these was a cover. I could have gone for an issue for each one of these and well, seen. Yeah. And seeing, like, this Vandal Savage aspect played up through Superman, that sounds like a fun arc to me. You're right. They burnt away a whole incredible story they could have done. However, given that it was so kind of meta, to have whole issues, you know, where he's trapped in in 1938 in acting scenes from the uh, very early Superman stories or then enacting scenes from the 1980s or whatever i think it might be a lot for single issues to bear um well so this might be something that could have spun out into a good original graphic novel in my opinion maybe 80 pages or something like that so i i disagree i think you need the time of like each one of these being its own thing and i think you could play with that but it would be written in my mind Someone akin to that last issue of Final Crisis, which was this post-narrative, metatextual way of looking at Superman, which is Uh what this evoked for me. Which, for me, was one of my favorite issues of comics in its time, and was something that was railed against by most people. So, I know I'm in a minority here, but I I feel like that sort of story with Superman, with the play on continuity and all that, and maybe just diving in on that... Uh-huh. Although that sounds more Morrison-esque, I guess, than anything else. Uh, I think you'd, if you did this, I think you'd have to do it out of the regular Superman continuity because it would just be too... You know, if you took each one of these pages and took, spun it into an issue, I think this was the longest story in here. It would be 10 or 12 issues. You'd be spending a long time away from Superman as the regular Superman. And you'd have to have a lot better ending than him just arriving home just in time for his birthday party or his thousandth celebration. Right. I love crypto at the end. I mean, I totally agree with you. I would love a a series done based on this, but I also was very happy with it as a kind of visual and storytelling stunt for a anniversary issue for a celebration. I thought it was pretty great. Yeah. I agree. How did you feel about the uh, Romita Jr. pinup? Was that there? Was that the next thing? Yep. You know, that's one of the best Romita Jr. pictures of Superman I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I really did not like his Superman when he was on it a few years back. Oh, yeah. What did you think about it? He looks a little scrawny here to me, which is funny because Romita Jr. is known for the blockier characters. So it's yeah. funny to me that he looks a little... Uh, anemic well i i don't like superman too muscle bound because it doesn't really make any sense how does he even find weights to lift that would exercise his muscles well he's just supposed to be super strong yeah but it's not based on his muscles right i isn't supergirl's it? super strong too well she's beefy isn't she i don't know unless you get the paris hilton one she's fit but but she's not i don't know I don't know why. I prefer a slightly slimmer Superman. Not not a, a wimpy Superman or anything. But Well, wimpy Superman's a fun Superman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so we both agree, although with different quibbles, that we like The NeverEnding Battle by Tomasi and Gleason. 
Definitely. And, you know, who knows? Maybe someday this will inspire a story. That'd be fun. You know how, like, over at Marvel, everything that they did in What If eventually ended up being a long a long story arc years later. <laughs> but uh, then the story after that, I think it needs some kind of explanation because it's by Kurt Swan, art by Kurt Swan, who's been dead for... 15 or 20 years um, and who was the classic Superman artist mm-hmm. and script by Marv Wolfman and then one final page by different artists anyway it's called The Enemy Within and it's uh, a hostage situation of a um, some guy who's being controlled by something I don't know if we're ever clearly explained what it is well so what this was was a tribute they took an old kurt swan and um cindy goff story but they didn't explain what they'd done yeah no it's a little so unclear it, it read but... just nonsensical to me yeah, well you have this guy who's taken someone a hostage in a school and the police take care of it but meanwhile right. superman was there all along as a bum i guess was that him as the bum? I wasn't sure. Uh, or was that the person making the, doing the thing with the numbers? I guess you're right. Maybe that was Superman. But then on the very next page, we just see him flying up above. So I thought he was just flying above the um, the city, watching what was happening, but not interfering. Right. This one was, a lot, and it's only four pages, or one, two, right. three, four, five, five pages. Um, four pages plus just a weird splash page of superman flying over the city yeah they really could have used that real estate better to justify this confused because yeah there's really no way to be sure you have to interpret things that you shouldn't having to be interpreting in a story so to me it was the biggest dud of the comic that's fair it's just a confused little story and it it, i feel like with a little like explanation a little a little more space And a little more uh, economy of the pages, especially given this last one's just kind of a waste. Uh, this could have been something, which makes it even a little more frustrating. And I think this this kind of a thread of in this anthology of the stories that less satisfied me was that there was felt like there was something missing, some explanation missing. That was something that was in the head of the writer that didn't quite make it onto the page. And I'll, I'll point that out when we get to it next. The next one is called The Car, and it's by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner, with art by Olivier Coppel. And it, it's basically the idea of what happened to the guy whose car Superman smashed up on the first issue cover of Action Comics. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's the aftermath of that. Um, drawn in a really drawn and colored in a really kind of interesting retro way not at all it, it makes it look like an old 40s movie or something not it doesn't look like an old 40s comic so it looks beautiful and i don't know basically superman talks the guy into to leaving the life of crime i guess and and i found that not terrifically compelling i thought it was an interesting little Aside. I thought it was a cool concept. Yeah. For something like this, I think you right. know, that's as good as uh, we're going to get it. Right. I think the interesting thing here, I guess, in a way, is that 
the Superman of 1938 and through the early 40s was kind of merciless to criminals. He even sometimes let them die and stuff. But here we're blending that oldest of all Superman images with a kind of compassionate Superman, a Superman of the um, 80s and 90s and beyond, perhaps. So I don't have any more to say about that one. Did you want to? I don't think there's much to say about it. It's just a fun little moment with this playing off the idea of what happened to that first guy that never really got explored. And there you go. Right. The next one is called The Fifth Season, scripted by Scott Snyder, one of DC's top writers. Art by Raphael Albuquerque um, and colors by Dave McCaig. And uh, that's a great art team. And, the, and it looks awesome to me. Not at all your traditional Superman art. And I don't really know what the story is here. There, Superman and Lex Luthor's at a planetarium, and they're talking about Lex Luthor's childhood, I guess. Right. And, but he also has these bizarre weapons, the eye of Zotar and Kronos, the Kronos time scissors. I don't know. I can't even dis- I can't even summarize this story because I can't figure out what's going on in it. They're talking about the fifth season, meaning I don't know, sometime between fall and s- between spring and winter, spring and summer, or something like that, or winter and spring. I don't know. Yeah, this whole story just reeked to me of trying to be more clever than it was and just came out confused. Right. Yeah, there was something missing here, some point that Scott Snyder was trying to make that just did not come out at all. He was too elusive and poetic about it for me to understand. I think we're, we're looking at some of the panels where we're seeing young Clark Kent and young Lex Luthor, but with Superman and Luthor standing in the same panel. And mm-hmm. we see... At first I thought it was Superboy was in the same panel, hiding in the shadows, but, you know, the Jonathan Kent... But I think it was supposed to be Clark Kent foiling young Lex Luthor, something young Lex Luthor was done, doing with a, whatchamacallit, a telescope. Let's see, I, I nearly died sending the signal. I forgot to heat the liquid nitrogen we, we'd used. A rare oversight. Um, so he, he was, I guess it's a story of him trying to send a signal to the stars. Is that supposed to be... I don't know. It just just totally fell flat. Yeah. It looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just ends on this idea of this fifth season and, like, um, Lex Luthor cobbled these things or found these items to kill Superman. Superman's like, I know you did. The end. Like, w- Right. And in the background, they're in a planetarium... And the planetarium is talking about when the sun becomes a red giant and swallows up the closer planets to it, you know, which is going to be in billions of years from now. Um, and I guess that's supposed to be like a fifth, a fifth season. The fifth season's a bad time, I guess. Um, I guess. But what's that, you know, symbolic of Superman and Lex Luthor? I don't know. It just is grasping for some metaphor that's not really any good. <laughs> Right, right. The red, the red sun comes up again in another story. Um, let's see, what's the next story called? The next. It's, story. Oh, it's the one I'm talking about. 
Of tomorrow. Of tomorrow. And it has Superman. The entire story is Superman talking to The gravestone of his parents, yeah. And it turns out eventually it's the gravestone of his parents. And um, humanity has le- long left Earth because the the red sun has expanded. The, the sun is, our, our sun has become a red giant and has expanded to very close to Earth. It's uninhabitable. Apparently some kind of immortality has been invented so that Lois and John are still so old. So not, he's visited their grave five billion times. So maybe it's like five billion years in the future. Um, so it's really extreme to, you know, even if we uh, invent longevity, will Lois Lane live for five billion years? Right. Um and would Superman still be pretty much the same guy five million years, five billion years from now? Right. I. Uh, see, they could have. And the sun is red. What happens with a red sun? Right. Depowering. No superpowers. But there he is. He's. <laughs> there are so many questions this brings up just by the setting of it that they didn't need to. This could like for everything he said this could have been 10 years in the future basically him visiting the gravestone. Like there's just no need for this setting and it right. might have been a little more uh poignant to set it in fall or something. Like right. it just I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like the somehow poignant and poetic that Superman and Lois Lane and other other characters are going to live for billions of years, but still always visit their parents' grave over and over and over and over again. Ironically, I want to take this story to note, uh, uh, put a markup on the board, if you will, against Tom King's ability to write. <laughs> we may come back to Tom King in a future podcast. We very well may. Yeah, I mean, he's got this what I think of as a um you know this over overblown poetic image which just totally ruins all the ideas of Superman anyway with the the red sun and and such. And if if everyone is these godlike immortals then who cares about them anyway? I guess sometimes they say that Superman will be immortal but I I that always bothers me too. Um, well even when he's viewed as older like in kingdom come he shows signs of aging it's slower than everyone else like he's going to live on but that idea that he aged slower to not really fit the character in the mold and like i thought that worked very well this idea that is a billion years and he's popping on the red sun and what have you doesn't doesn't I suppose Tom King could argue, oh, well, his powers have evolved, and so by five billion years from now, red suns won't bother him. But, I mean, the whole idea is Kryptonians were regular mortals, regular human-ish beings, until they were exposed to the unusual effects of the yellow sun. But, I don't know. I don't know. It is an annoying story. All right. Well... For me. I hear you. I'm I'm gonna make a prediction and guess that our next story with Louise Simonson writing and Jerry Ordway on art entitled Five Minutes was a bit more uh what you'd be expecting and what you'd be yeah. Well this is more from your era, right? Uh 
I don't know what my era of Superman is, to tell you the truth. Yeah, fair enough. Um, my favorite Superman is uh, All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison. <laughs> well, that's not even an opinion. And, and my, as a kid, my era of Superman was the Kurt Swan stories where everything was kind of goofy. And I was not a big Superman fan at the time. Although I always wanted to like Superman, I would always be disappointed. But I, <laughs> I, I really liked Five Minutes by Louis Simonson and Jerry Ordway. And it, it again evoked to me that somewhere in the 80s, 90s range of Superman stories. And I, I, I read Superman on and off in the 80s and on and off in the 90s. Um, and then took a break, probably unfortunately in the 2000s, because it sounds like that was a good era. But uh, but in this, it shows all the things Superman... Superman has a five-minute deadline to finish a story before things go to press at the Daily Planet. Um, but at the same time, he's seeing all these emergencies he has to take care of, and he has five minutes to take care of all these emergencies that keep popping up one after the other. And, and then he comes back to the office and has time to type up, presumably at super speed when no one's looking, type up his story... And he says that he just sent it in. And then then they say, hold the presses because Superman has just done a whole bunch of good deeds and we want to re- report about those. And I thought that was a, a clever way to do... This would have been another one that might have been fine as the lead-off story, a clever way to just sort of encapsulate Superman. Um, so Louis Simonson's an old pro and Jerry Ordway does your kind of classic 80s and 90s Superman drawing style that looks good to me. But very generic in a way. I think so too. For me too, this hits something that I don't see enough in anniversary issues that I thought was a cool take. Is I mean, it, there's a little bit of the idea with the five minutes, you have five pages, you know, make it tight and round and make that part of the story. But this is also just like a prototypical Superman story just told. Right. And I like that No fancy idea. pretension or anything. Let's just tell the story. Right, and let's just make this a celebration of what got us here. So then um, we get another one that I thought was very fun. What did you think? Uh, well, let me describe Actionland briefly. In Actionland, we get a tour of of a Superman theme park sometime in the future, apparently. I thought maybe in the time of the Legion of Superheroes, where they tend to worship Superman so much. <laughs> but then it turns out that this is all a little almost kinky fantasy being done by Mr. Mixiplix, Mr. Mixipitlick and his wife, who I think comes from the cartoon, not from comics. In the in the Superman the animated series from the 90s, she's in, he has this sexy red-headed wife. Um, and it's kind of a nice little appreciation both of Superman and of Mr. Mixipitlick. <laughs> And beautifully drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Did you enjoy this one? I enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of bizarre because at the end, this does end up being a lot more. (laughs) Fun fact on that for anyone laughing and struggling over the name. If you look over the history of whenever they say his name in any animated or radio incarnation, um, there might be one or two that overlap, but they almost intentionally pronounce it differently right. each time. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I remember I watched an episode with the version of Missy Pitlick on uh, on Lois and Clark. Oh, jeez. 
And that was a completely different pronunciation than on the animated show. This was beautifully drawn, and it, it, it packed a lot of story, and it all made sense in one, two, three, four, five pages. Yeah. So it was, it was you know, as a part of this sort of tribute issue, it was, it was a really good one. Yeah. And it was written, I should have said, it was written by Paul Dini. Which, again, a more solid writer. You know, these star writers like Tom King and Scott Snyder are trying to do something so fancy that they just sort of forget about making a clear story. And with Dini, we get the connection to the animated Dini can make a nice, solid story out of five pages. Man, the art in this one is good. I keep flipping through it. (laughs) So then... It doesn't have the title at the beginning. Then the next one is called Faster Than a Speeding Bullet. Oh, yeah. And it's by Brad Meltzer. I have heard interviews with Brad Meltzer, but I managed to miss all the comics he wrote at DC. <laughs> and art by John Cassidy, who um, I love for Planetary, but the art in this is kind of lame. Um, <laughs> and the whole story is just about Superman racing to stop a bullet that's coming through a gun that's pointed at a woman hostage's head. And somehow she does something that's supposedly brave where she tilts her head into the gun. Well, what she's doing is she's bucking him. So uh she's fighting back and she's being brave in the situation despite everything, which is just enough time for Superman to save her life where he otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Right. I, this, to me, this was my favorite bit in the entire anthology. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's this story about, like, it, it's about Superman and the hope that, I mean, it, it's not him inspiring the hope in others, but because of the hope and the bravery in someone else, he was able to save her and her fighting despite no clear sign of victory and then being rewarded for it in the end. Like, I, I just, it's such a tight, clear story that gets to the heart of what Superman's about, which is hope. And this is that uh-huh. in, in five pages, clearer than anything else, and no big celebration of the lore of Superman. It's just cutting right to the ethos of it. And this is, for all intents and purposes, especially for Superman, like a very street level story. This is some mugger going to shoot some lady over essentially nothing, and Superman's racing to save it. And I, I don't know. I I love that. Yeah. I love it when we can take superheroes down to a more human level because sometimes all the uh, continuity and rules and power levels and everything gets to be a bit ridiculous, and it's nice to bring it back. Well, you've sold me on this story. I don't think I appreciated <laughs> it when I read it. I got kind of hung up on what was supposed to be going on with her and the gun. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, you're right. You're as you describe it, it's a great story. <laughs> I just maybe didn't read it right. Yeah, I'll teach you. Don't And in a way, Superman looks like he's from an old movie or something, so that's kind of interesting. I'm getting guessing Cassidy just looked at an older Superman movie as reference. Yeah. But the the facial expressions are were a little lacking for me. But anyway, they're a little you know what? It does it does capture the um Kirby-esque. Oh, I... <laughs> it does capture like you say a important kind of thing about Superman. So what's the score here about 
two to three stories we really hated. <laughs> yeah. Out of, um, what was the total? Like ten. But we haven't gone to the tenth one. The yeah. tenth one is what connects us in a way to uh, what's coming up in Superman continuity. Because it's Michael or Brian Michael Bendis's with Jim Lee on art, but Bendis's very first Superman story, or Superman beginning of a story, and uh, it's kind of a a peek at the storyline he's going to be doing coming up in the Man of Steel, because at the end it says to be continued in the Man of Steel, right? Which is a a six part miniseries that's about to start coming out maybe next week, I think. One of the four Superman stories he's writing. Well, he's they're they're stopping all the Superman books, and he's oh. writing a weekly series called Man of Steel that will go for six issues, and oh. then they start up him writing a monthly Superman and a monthly action comics. I carumba. All right. Well, that's better than I thought it was at least. <laughs> and I think that's a bit of an imitation of what John Byrne did when he took over Superman. He did a Man of Steel miniseries. Yeah. And then took over action and Superman. Yeah, let's... And he wrote and drew them. <laughs> and had a complete story in every issue. <laughs> and wrote good stories. Um, For the most part, yeah. <laughs> so let's dig into The Truth, which is what this is titled as. For no apparent reason. Yeah, this has... It's a, <sighs> it's a big battle scene with some villain who... Looks, they're wrecking the city, and the villain looks like a monster who's been badly burned. He looks like a cross between Doomsday and the Demon. Yeah, but his lips won't close or something. <laughs> well, you know, he's permanently snarling because he's upset. Yeah. Um, it's quite a snarl, and Supergirl's in there for a second too, fighting him. Yeah, I think to play up what a big threat yeah. this is. And then um, near the end of the story, he mentions that he destroyed Krypton, and now he's finishing the job by wiping out the last of the horrible Kryptonians from the universe. And I think that's it, right? Yeah, I... It's pretty all-out action. Jim Lee, you know, kicking out the jams action-wise. Kicking out the jams, huh? Yeah. If you like, if you like Jim Lee, I think you'll like these these this action. But you know, I'm not a Jim Lee fan. But I I'm understand. not a huge Jim Lee fan. But as far as the art goes in this issue, I mean, it's moving, it's working, it's yeah. playing to his strengths. But yeah. I I think it. Works. I think it's good. It's good Jim Lee. It's just, you know sometimes you see some Jim Lee that looks like he's not trying very much, but here of late. But here it looks like he's putting a lot of effort into it. And. I gotta be honest, I was playing along, I'm like, okay, big threat, knocking around Superman, strong enough to just be a clear threat, new guy, alright, right. a little tied to the space opera, whatever, but then, when I destroyed the planet Krypton, I was like, ooh, I don't, mm, mm, we gotta <laughs> go there, uh, that's about when I checked out. Well, I think Bendis in Man of Steel, in part, is gonna be revisiting the whole Krypton myth. Right, which is the number one thing I never want to read in a Superman comic. <laughs> well, then it's definitely not for you. I kind of am curious what he's going to do with the Superman myth, but this teaser reduces my confidence and makes me worry that he's just going to play every sort of commercial action comics gimmick trick in the book. Because mm -hmm. that's what this just felt like. 
it felt very generic. It, it, it didn't feel like we're going to get anything different than we've seen a thousand times in comic books. Well, what worries me too is so Ben but done very slickly, you know. Yeah. Sorry, but worries what worries you too? Um, Bendis is known for kind of bringing a certain human element to characters. I think. I mean, through taking a more modern take on Spider-Man through Ultimate Spider-Man, introducing Jessica Jones through Alias, finding these like maybe um, slightly grittier, though not Mark Millar-esque, but slightly right. grittier, more down-to-earth takes on some superheroes and then bring that in right. and then ratcheting up the action as you go. And I, I think yeah. the idea here is that he feels in order to get to the more human element of Superman, you have to start at the origin and build up. And God, what a mistake. Uh, <laughs> Superman doesn't need to go back to the origin every time. And I feel like this was a big mistake when Mark Wade was doing his bit with Superman. And when um, Jeff Johns was doing some Superman I, I just everybody wants to go back to the origin yeah. and it's been done to death and I, I just would rather see anything else well and the question is 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 I mean the origin is kind of a science fiction story is Bendis a great science fiction writer or is he more like you say more of a street level thing he says that in action comics, he's going to focus more on the city of Metropolis. So I'm thinking of maybe continuing with action, and I don't know whether I'll get the other Bendis book, The Superman. Right. I, I'm i just worried. I mean, when you heard Bendis was moving to DC, did Superman spring to mind for you? No, but neither did Batman. Like, I'm not sure what Bendis is right for at DC. See, for my mind, my money, I feel the characters he'd be best with are the Birds of Prey. But they're oh, not going to put him on Birds of right. Prey, at least not alone. But when I heard it, I assumed that Bendis would be taking a Superman or Batman or Green Lantern, something I assume big. Batman or Justice League, really, because those are the money books. Justice League would make sense, given his uh, fame with Avengers, I think. Right, right. But... I assumed he was going to be also taking on at least some limited run with some lesser character that he had some affinity for. And the fact that we're not seeing that right out the gate maybe is to be expected, but I'm hoping that comes sooner than later. Well, and as Superman is a um, is a sort of lesser a lesser selling character, even though he's the bedrock of the entire American comic book industry. <laughs> Um, so it's a bit of a challenge to see if, if Bendis can make it sell better. But, uh, I think I would have liked it if he was just doing one Superman book Mm -hmm. and continue having other Superman. The fact that he's taking over the Superman universe makes me uneasy. Um, and, and my, I, my limited experience reading Bendis is he can be very good or he can just end up stretching things out and spreading them out forever. Like when he took over the X-Men, I liked it for a while and then it just sort of, it just sort of drooped and it felt like nothing, he didn't want to, he threw out some good ideas and then he didn't want to end them, maybe because he didn't have the next ideas. Right. And And I feel like I've had that experience with other things by him I've read, but, but I haven't, I haven't stuck with him on the Avengers. I've just read bits of his Avengers runs. 
And I read Alias a long time ago, but... <laughs> well, his wrap-up with Jessica Jones was strong, but a lot of his other uh, Marvel exiting books were not very well received by many people, and I think deservingly so. And I'm kind of wondering if he was either kind of checked out or if he's maybe a little little burnout he's always been someone who's put uh more on his plate than should be there it seems because the top being a star writer with uh incredible workload in that aspect he's also a teacher he also you know goes around the country he's doing stuff in hollywood i'm not sure exactly what but i know he's like a big hollywood consultant right and so yeah and and I'm sh- they've already got him at at DC with he's going to have his own boutique line that he kind of is the concierge of or what's the right word uh, anyway uh, and he's and they're reviving his uh, creator owned books to be published through DC we'll see how much of any of that he he does but um, yeah. He he may he may be over exposed overstretched himself out too far, but he may do you know it may be something really interesting. But I guess I would I I've enjoyed having two, at least two different voices on Superman. I I think if you're gonna have multiple Superman books, that's the way to go. But if you're gonna just give Bendis the the keys to the kingdom and whatnot, maybe just leave it on action. And don't have a Superman or don't have a Man of Steel and just make it right. one book that goes. And I think... Just have action come out twice a month and that be it. Yeah, just just give it a book and let it continue. Yeah. And I, I always feel that's the stronger move. We've seen that gone back and forth with Batman and Spider-Man and Superman before even. And... I... Well, despite despite your feelings about um, uh, the short stories in here, I think Superman is well suited to shorter stories, and because of his kind of iconic nature, like they ha- they had that series Adventures of Superman a few years ago, and I really liked that, and that was just like ten or twenty page stories, um, and. With Gleason and Tomasi, I think my favorite stuff by them has been one one shot issues or maybe th- three issue stories, and I think Bendis likes to do stories that last for years and years. We'll see if that's the approach he takes in Superman, but that's part of what worry what bothered me about this um, quote story, the truth of his in here, because it was just one long extended action scene that was just a teaser for further possible story possibilities but the actual story in there was contained in one or two panels uh, so and i guess bendis is one of the uh the bigger people of d decon not deconstruction d help me here decompressed storytelling decompressed storytelling yes and i think superman decompressed storytelling and superman in particular i don't like that's fair. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of great examples of it. The biggest one I can think of is the whole death and rebirth. Right. Which I read, but it could have been way shorter. Oh, it, yeah. Well, they were stretching And I think I enjoyed it at the time because it was kind of new to me to have a story stretched out that long. It was almost like a stunt to see the death of Superman just stretched out and out and out and out. To the point where the final issue of it was 
all splash pages, right? Right. Um, but I, I'm kind of tired of that now. <laughs> I enjoyed it at the time, but when I got that, I got these three books all at once to read through. Uh-huh. And so it was this event, but I just got to sit down and read it. I wasn't going through it month by month. And it felt like this giant novel that I was leafing through because that's how they presented the trade at the time as well and they just moved all the covers to the back so if artists were drawing similarly back to back i couldn't tell where the issue ended but sometimes there was a clear art change was very clear but compared to other events that have happened before or since um the story moved through those issues a lot more fluidly yeah. And so you could be confused as to where the break was between issues if there wasn't something delineating it for you. Yeah, and that was quite an editorial feat because I think that was going across four different Superman books that came out one each a month. So it was like a weekly comic in four comics. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that disproves my point. <laughs> so maybe a long extended Superman uh, narrative by Bendis will work, but I, I, in general, I like Superman as a more shorter story kind of thing. Yeah, well, I, I'd agree for the most part. Like generally, I like short stories a bit better, and it's nice to have the big stories when something warrants it. But when you have to have it every time, right? Sometimes things get stretched out that really shouldn't have been, and you yeah. get six stories kind of chopped up when it would have been nicer to get them one a piece at a time and just get a story. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Because you're currently off of Superman books. Do you think you're going to dip back in? Or do you think you'll wait and see how people react to the Bendis stuff? It sounds like you're pretty negative on Bendis. Yeah, I was initially going to pick up the first issue, but I technically have here. And I think I can can leave it unless I hear something so positive. I'm not worried about it selling out. I'm not worried about missing some grand story right now yeah well seems like given the way bendis operates the smart money would be just to wait for the trade because it may read may much way better that way like the trade of the six issues of man of steel and then the trades that come out after that right well i'm also waiting um dc has this publication coming out uh dc nation that's going to be like a quarter or something that's going to be kind of their big push for the upcoming season. So will that that'll probably be a bunch of teasers like this Bendis and Lee one at the end here. I would assume. I'd assume that's roughly what it is. But um, I've been somewhat uh, unenchanted with what DC's been putting out. Um, I just got my last issue of Nightwing, and so I'm off Nightwing for now. And I'm picking up Detective, I'm picking up Aquaman, I'm picking up Birds of Prey. But that's really it. And uh, since I'm looking at picking up more Marvel, because Marvel snagged a few titles that just uh, piqued my interest, I- I'm finding it hard to divert my funds back to DC right. without right. a little inspiration. And I feel like in order for DC to win me back, I've got to see stuff outside of the box. Well, but... Their most outside of the box right, book right now is Batman, and you don't like that. How is Batman outside of the box? <laughs> it's way outside of the box right now, the way it's written. No, it's not out. <laughs> oh, we we should say this because uh, I and, have uh, Mr. Marvel. Oh, I mean, sorry, uh, Mr. Miracle by also by written by Tom King is very outside the box. DC should write a <clears throat> book called Mr. Marvel just to. <laughs> 
sink it in. If anything, I think as Marvel is looking a little better now because they're writing inside the box a bit more. You know, like I'm interested in the Fantastic Four coming back and I'm enjoying Marvel 2-in-1 and I'm enjoying Thanos, the Thanos series by Donny Cates that just ended. Oh, wow. But I'm reading a lot more. I'm still reading a lot more DC than Marvel. Um, and I, I still don't trust Marvel to deliver the goods over... If I'm going to buy single issues, I don't trust Marvel. I might, you know, read plenty of the Marvel after it's done if, if they um, follow through, so to speak, on their stories rather than having them all interrupted all the time and, and such. Right. Well, the spider office uh, being something that I'm somewhat obligated to keep up with at this yes. point keeps me on. And uh, but outside of that, um, Domino is a book I'm picking up because I'm a big Gail Simone uh, fan. Having her back in Marvel has just been a treat for the one issue so far. Did you like the first issue? Oh, you said it. You just said it was a treat. Yes. So. Um, and I don't know, like, and I'm following Slot because Slot's one of my favorite writers. Uh-huh. And so him, I'm going to at least try him on Iron Man and Fantastic Four. Yeah, and that so makes sense. that's a lot, <laughs> especially yeah. with everything being three ninety nine, which I am right. no fan. And of. And then with them throwing the four ninety nine issues at you when you never even know when they're going to do that. Oh, I'm assuming Amazing Spider Man is going to be like uh, ten dollars next month. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, the the big OO coming up. Well, anyway, we're kind of getting deep into the weeds, but. Um... I think overall we both had fun reading Action Comics 1000. Yeah, no, I I think it was a fun pickup. I hope for those who are a little more skeptical that enough of these were thrown around that some discounts go out quickly so you can pick it up. I bet there's going to be a lot of issues in back issue bins soon. Um, Because a lot of people bought many multiple copies and once they realize they're not that valuable, they'll be selling them cheaply. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And they did print a half a million copies. So, but but it doesn't necessarily make you want to read current Superman. It's just it is a, just a celebration of the idea of Superman rather than saying you could just as easily read this issue and then go back and read action comics from the 50s and 60s and have fun or from the 90s, you know, go back and this might make you want to go back and read The Death of Superman or read The Death of Superman again if you haven't read it, if you've already read it. Yeah, this is a cake issue. You know, there's not a lot of substance, but it's a celebration. And, you know, it's fun. It was a fun little aside. And it's nice to have those every now and again. And I don't feel like this is an aspect of comics. I don't think we get enough anymore because everything has to be so big and bombastic and... Like I said, that smaller stuff is where I'd like to see it go a little more. Right. Which is maybe re- reflected in my pref- my idea that the shorter stories are better for him. It is interesting because since we jokingly named this podcast Never Stay Dead, Superman has died a number of times. We were talking about the famous death of Superman, but he actually died during the New 52. And then a Superman from another universe took over who had fled to our universe, the one, the slightly older one who has a son and is married to Lois Lane. And then with the hand wavium of the Mr. Oz series, they sort of merged the two Supermen together. And now no one in the current DC universe remembers that Superman is dead. And they all remember Superman as being this slightly older Superman and Lois, well, 
only people like Batman and other superheroes know that he's married to Lois Lane. But anyway, yet that was all done shortly after the whole rebirth thing with someone still un presumably Dr. Manhattan fiddling with the DC universe. So Superman has this really weird continuity going at the moment. And I just wanted to mention that. I just Well, it's so interesting too because not only does that affect Superman continuity obviously, which has outreaching to the DC universe just by effect right. of everything being connected. The whole Justice League and everything has to be affected. But the new 52 relaunch with Superman with the new 52 superman which was the biggest shift in that entire relaunch was because right. of the legal rights surrounding superman what they could do at the time and oh, really yeah and then once they got the rights back and they rounded out to make it 52 uh rebirth happened and that was somewhat based around kind of a reclaiming of some of those legal rights and what they could do again and so the entire dc universe has been now molded and remolded in the last two big incarnations based solely on what they can do around with Superman, which is huh, fascinating because Batman is their biggest character by a mile. Right. But it's Superman driving. I mean, Superman, for obvious reasons, has, you know, a lot of pull with the universe as well. But I just think it's funny that because they could do some slight things with Superman, the entire universe has to shift around it right well i just thought it's funny that the whole rebirth universe is centering around this mystery of who fiddled with the universe but we have this whole separate fiddling of the universe that we saw in the mr oz thing anyway yeah i i guess it's not worth going into it further but superman has died at least <laughs> twice if not more Right. I, I think it would be fun to cover those in a bit more detail. Is that going to be our maybe, thing? Maybe Bendis will kill Superman again, too. Oh, that would be good. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we will be back because we never stay dead. <laughs>